This is the Courier Talking Football. I'm Eric Nicholson, and with me are Jim Spence and Ian Roach. Well, gentlemen, we have a Betfred Cup semi-finalist, St. Johnson, in our patch. You, you, you a, did you? I don't suppose either of you got the chance to watch the game. I was, unless you, you forked out your money for a for a stream and put it on courier expenses. No, I, I was I, I was covering the game, and I think listen, the way I wrote it up was nobody nobody cares how they got there, but it was it was an awkward awkward night for for Saints. Just you know, as much as much to do with the fact that they really they really didn't take advantage of real territorial superiority, but. Dunfermline, you know, proper team who hung in there and then took their chance when it came along. So, but yeah, let's start start at the end and move move our way back, Jim. It's still it's all about getting through the next round, isn't it? And that that was never going to be an easy game, was it? We saw this one. We, well, you picked it as the tie of the round from a from a long way out. No, we, we did, Eric. I mean, that's right. We said this would be, um, you know, a, a cracker. Well, I mean, I mean, listen, I, I did the next best thing last night. I started listening to it on Sports Sound. Oh, uh, listened to the game on the radio. Um, there's still, you know, be, being a radio man at heart, although I did kind of radio and telly, you know, I, 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 radio was always my first love. It brings an immediacy that I think even live football and telly can't quite match, you know, because you're trying to paint the picture in your own head and a good commentator does that for you. And, you know, and it was a, a fascinating tie because Dunfermline, under Stevie Crawford, they've been coming good. They've been um, playing a lot of good football. They've got some very tidy players, quite quick and quite mobile players. So it was always going to be, I think, a tough uh, tie for Saints. But I mean, in terms of, you know, Saints had 60% of the possession of the game, but it was very, very tight. And going to penalties um, to get through is never ideal. But the bottom line is they are through, you know. Um, I mean, it left it late on with a Rooney goal. I think it was just, what, five minutes into and stoppage the, and time, wasn't extra it? Uh, Sorry. No, no, five, uh, five minutes into start extra time, yeah. I mean, I'm interested, Jim, from, from the radio, were they, was it the similar theme that it was, it was Saints crossing that was letting them down? You know, for me, it just seemed to be... The amount of times they didn't get past the the first defender, you know, was I haven't got the stats to hand, but it, it would have been high, I would imagine. Yeah, and it, it sounded just it just sounded a frustrating night more than anything else. Um, Eric, I mean, Saints Saints are a better side than Dunfermline, and and that's quite simple because they're playing in a better league. You know, I always take this view: if you're playing in the Premiership, you're a better side than the side below you because you are playing in a better league and you're playing at a higher standard. Every week, that's not to knock Dunfermline. I think they're coming to be a fine side, and I think they'll be, you know, right in at the death this season um, in, in the championship. But th- th- this is, I'm sure, we'll touch on this. But th- th- this is something Saints are really going to have to nail. You know, that getting beyond the final man, getting getting delivery into the box, and and, and finishing. You know, I, mean, we, I know that kind it's improved in recent weeks, but um, you know, when you've got yeah, it was the- a worry. It was a worrying we throw back the last yeah. Well, maybe not Saturday. There was other things. It mm-hmm. just it was just a general off off day. But no, I would say, I would say it was a return. It was a return of a recurring theme from earlier in the season. That, like you say, we thought Saints had kind of got over, but it was it was familiar to those of us that have watched Saints a lot this season. Well, I mean, they certainly, you know, you can do stats to death. I mean, what was the English game the other week? Was it Everton who won, who had something like 25% possession, but still, um, was it Chelsea they beat, I think, you know? Yeah, and deserve to beat them, yeah. Um, So so stats can prove a million things, you know. Um, At the end of the day, you're right, it's the result that counts. I mean, Saints had... Uh, Thirteen corners to three, you know, for um, uh, you know for Dunfermline. So they were, they were well ahead in terms in terms of that. As I say, possession sixty percent, shots on target, you know, five to two, shots twenty, you know, uh, Aye, to, to yeah, five. You know, yeah. so these all point in in one direction. But at the end of the day, it still was one one after they'd gone through one hundred and twenty minutes and had to go to penalties. But they're through. I think that's the main thing. But there are undoubtedly issues that have to be re- readdressed. I mean, Ian, you've seen you've seen Dunfermline. And I think Dunfermline are similar to they've done their homework on Saints, and they're they're similar to I would say the likes of Motherwell earlier in the season, not the cup tie. Livingston certainly the two games. The way to the way to frustrate Saints is you know you say okay you kind of give them the wider areas a bit, but you say we're going to defend our box, we're going to defend our front post primarily. And you know, come up with something to to beat us. And you know, Dunfermline, the heading stats I would imagine for the two Dunfermline centre halves would have been very high. But it's 
these are the answers that you've got to come up with against against teams that defend their box well. Well, yeah, I mean, at the, at the risk of going uh, Radio Gaga, I too listened to the game. Well, so um, we, we've all we've all kind of tuned in one way or another. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Dunfermline are well coached team. Stevie Crawford is a good manager and he will have known all about Saints and how to try and play them. Um, he, the, the last game I saw them was against Arbroath and uh, it was a tactical advantage gained by Crawford's uh, team, you know, tactics really, the way he set up his team that, that won, won them the game at Gayfield. So you could see that he knows what he's doing. So it was a big test. Um, but the thing is, they've come through it. I've always said that over the years, um, you look back at a season as, a say, a manager or a player, if you've gotten to a semi-final uh, of a tournament, particularly if you're a manager, I think that's an achievement. You can look at that and go to your board and say, look, we did this. We managed to do that. And that's what Saints have already done. Um, it's a great, it's a great achievement. However, they got there. I knew that the game probably went pretty much as you would expect. I mean, I did think it would be tight. I thought Saints maybe just edge it, which they did in the end. But thanks to the 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 spot kicks rather than uh, rather than winning it in, in extra time. But it was uh, they're there, they're there. I mean, just just a few weeks ago, they were they were kind of you know getting through the group. They were playing their breaking and Peterheads. Uh, now look at them. You know, fantastic, and it's a real boost for the season. Hopefully, they can carry on into the into the league now because it was quite a poor result. I, I, I don't think that did them any favours going to East End Park on the back of back of that result, the poor result against Livingston. So, get back on track in the league, park the uh, park the cup stuff just now. Um, but no, I, I wasn't surprised. I wasn't surprised by Dunfermline at all. They're a good team. They they've had their setback. Uh, you know, the, the the lost their unbeaten record, but. I think that I think they'll be in the mix, uh, probably chasing hearts. So it's a uh, it's a good it's a good result for for St Johnson. You have to say that. Yeah, we'll, we'll speak. We'll, we'll sort of leave Dunfermline for the moment because we'll speak to we'll speak about them in more depth when we get to we get to their Saturday fixture against Dundee towards towards uh, the end of the podcast. But back back on Saints, Jim. I mean, Callum is Callum Davison is is a bold manager. We've we've talked about it tactically, but. I thought he, he raised the stakes for himself with his team selection. I mean, mm. I think I think as, as somebody said to me on WhatsApp, and I tweeted it out, and there were plenty of replies that you could have had about twenty goes at picking his starting eleven, and you wouldn't have come up with that one because you know they were they were. I mean, he, he has he has been at pains over the last few weeks to stress we've got a small squad, but I've got an eighteen man squad, and I trust them all. Mm-hmm. And that they have all they have all got game time. And they've been getting results while they've been getting game time. Hibs away was a much changed team. Motherwell away is the same. So in, in one regard, maybe we shouldn't be surprised. But for for my money, that was Saints' most important game of the season because of because I mean the obvious. There's a cup semi final at stake, but you know you, you know yourself, Jim. When you when you make four changes and you take out a Danny McNamara, a Jamie McCart from the middle of his defence, Stevie May didn't start. You know, Callum Booth in the middle of defence, who's you know really not had much game time. So you you you, you do raise the pressure on yourself. If Saints had lost that, oh, it would have been a you know on the back of the Livingston one. Mm-hmm. You know, you're looking at a, a, all of a sudden people are thinking, oh, hold on a minute here, and and, and we're close to the bottom of the league. You know, it's it's you know, so he's made a bold move, and it, it's 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 paid off just. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it has paid off. That's the bottom line, and and that's you know, f- I mean, football, that's football management, management for you. you know? Yeah, football management is, is is an art and not an exact science, uh, Eric. And you know, and I always say this. I mean, you know, we 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 we're closer to the game than than the average fan. That's not having a go at the average fan. We we we're you know we we are uh, very lucky in the respect that you know we we have access to things like training and to players and managers, and we get to speak to them in a way that usually the average fan doesn't. And and you know. And of course, we speak to each other who kind of, you know, who, who maybe have uh, aspects of, of knowledge that, that the average fan simply by dint the fact that they're working in jobs and this is our job, you know, that we have. So we, we pick things up. But there's lots of things we don't pick up too. And what we don't always pick up is, you know, um, how much loading has gone into a particular player, a manager's watching him in training, what he's getting back from his sports science department, what his own eyes are telling him. About oh, I, de- I definitely maybe. think that's part of it, Jim. I yeah. think, I think, I think Callum is, is, 
with it being a small squad, I, th- I think he's got, yeah, I think he's working very closely with sports scientists. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think you have to be very uh, careful, uh, Eric. I mean, I, I think lo- lots of fans will, will bang on about, you know, oh, it's only 90 minutes. You, you know, we, 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 we've all done it. We've all done it. When Luggy was there, he put them up on the roofs. And so, a lot of that's, by the way, somewhat exaggerated. But you put them up on roofs with slaters and they went down mines yeah. and all the rest that they should think they're so lucky. They're not doing a 40 a week. Playing professional football for 90 minutes on a Saturday, training the way these guys do during the week, and particularly if you're playing a midweek fixture, is physically and mentally demanding. You know, the the demands on the game, uh, the demands on the individual body in the modern game are very, very tough. And there's no no any point in trying to compare it to what we do as journalists or or what I mean. Listen, I've done both things in life. I've worked physically. I ran a removals company for five years and I've had my share of humphing suites and wardrobes and goodness knows what else up and down stairs in the Perth Road and everywhere else. And it's physically demanding. It's a different type of work from being a football player where the body's getting hammered, there's a mental tension on you, you know, every part of your body's getting thumped and ached and all the rest of it. And I think good managers, and Davidson's shown all the signs of becoming a very good manager, pay attention to to the feedback they're getting, evidence of their own eyes from the sports science department and all the rest of it. And that's why you have a squad. You know, you no longer have a team in the modern game. You have a squad of players. I mean, you know, there's this great myth that Dundee United won the league with 13 players. They didn't. They won it with about 20 players, albeit some played more than others. Ian Britton, for instance, played 10 games that season. People would, people probably wouldn't remember that. But, you know, so when you make the changes, I mean, last night, looking at that team, for me, a Stevie May or a Craig Conway would, would, would start in my teams. But I'm not the manager. I don't have the evidence of my own eyes. I'm not looking ahead to what's coming up next, what they've gone through, the wee niggles they're carrying, uh, the loads that they've been asked to carry, what stage of fitness that there are, you know, all of these things. Callum Davidson is the manager. He has all of that knowledge. And that's why he's the manager. And, that, and, and you've got to trust him. And at the end of the day, quite simply, he got the team through. I mean, I mean, it was never. This was never going to be a cakewalk against a very decent Dunfermline side. So, the bottom line is, job is done, and and, and it's been well done. Yeah. Well, next, obviously, we're back back to league business for and it just, it just, you know, it has, it just, a, it has a huge effect on morale, doesn't it? You know, the difference Saints going into St. Martin on the back of two defeats, one of them going out of the cup. Yeah. Compared to going into St. Martin having got themselves into a semi final, is enormous, isn't it? It is enormous. I mean, this is a huge thing for the season. As I say, it's it's an achievement already. Uh, we're, 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 we're the this side of Christmas, but they've actually done something in the season, uh, something tangible, by by getting to the last four of uh, one of the two knockout cups. Um, you know the major the major trophies. So it's 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 great for them. And and just the argument there about you know I could it was a gamble. I accept that it was a gamble to leave like some May Conway. Even uh, you know Hendry on the bench, but what what you what what has happened now is he has these players to come back in fresh at the weekend now. I mean a bit fresher, and also it, it managed them. It, it helped them get through the extra time. You know you could say that by keeping these players. I mean who wants to be a Dunfermline defender seeing seeing uh, Stevie May coming on. No, I know. The park yeah. late in the game. So, point. so so that's a that's that's a, a psychological boost for Saints at that time in the match, an important time in the match. So you could say that <laughs> I could see why uh, Saints fans when they saw the lineup went, oh, wait a minute here, you know, what is he doing here? But the bottom line is uh, as Jim said, uh, it's worked. Uh, yeah, uh, Ian, you made a good point there. You know, I mean, w- w- when you go into a cup tie like this, you know that potentially you're you're looking at two hours of football. You know, and and uh, you know, and, and a tight hamstring or a tight calf muscle is no respecter of, of of time. You know, I mean, so if you put guys in that have been carrying a heavy load or or whatever. You know, the last thing you want to do is, is put your absolute first picks in and you find out that after 90 minutes they're done, they're gubbed. You know, the the, the calf muscles tight or, the you know, the knock in the hip or, or whatever. So it is a squad uh, a squad game. You've got to bear in mind the fact that it could go for the two hours, which it did. Um, uh, sorry, uh, two hours. Yeah, it's two hours, 90 minutes and 30. <laughs> Get my arithmetic right there. Uh, two hours and, and, and then, of course, the penalties. So you've got you've got to manage your, your squad wisely. Um, and I think he's done that. I mean, the bottom line is, at the end of the day, you know, nobody remembers um, 
a whole load of things about football. But what they do remember is who went through and who didn't. That's 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 the bottom line. You know, I mean, you think of the kind of the number of finals that Dundee United were in, Scottish Cup finals. Who remembers the ones they lost? Well, you know, folk try to put them out of their mind, but they remember the ones they won, and and that's the key thing. And the key thing here is Saints are through at the semis, which is brilliant. I thought there was a wee uh, a wee interest in a aside from when I'm frantically trying to get Callum Davison's quotes into the paper on on deadline. But anyway, you're you're right down even during even during un, even during normal times, the post-match stuff at Eastern Park, you're sort of down at the corner of the, the, the mm. main stand next yeah. to the, the tunnel that goes into the stand behind the goal. And uh, Owen Fawn Williams, one of the keepers, sorry, the Dunfermline keeper comes out as Xander Clark was was doing a bit of uh, Saints TV, but I think in the, the other stand. And I just thought it was a wee interesting aside on the back of this, the the, the talk we had a couple of weeks ago about, about Xander Clark for Scotland and, and you know you see some stuff on Twitter. You think, what are you talking about? Blah blah blah. You know, he's not, he's not this, he's not that. And then as Owen Owen von Williams is coming past, he was shouting. Now he was clear. He clearly wanted us to know. He was. He says he should be in the Scotland squad. Xander Clark should be in the Scotland squad. Mm-hmm. I think. Well, that was an interesting one. You know, one keeper to another type thing. You know, so well, it's a goalie's union, you know. But I mean, no, it's it's that that's that indicates, I think, how highly Big Xander is, is regarded. Two you know very good pen. You won't have seen them yet, obviously. I, I don't suppose, but two they were saves. You know, they were that's they right. weren't they weren't penalty misses in the sort of. I always feel it's 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 harsh on Paul Watson and Kevin O'Hara. You know, the guys they go down as misses, don't they? But they, these were saves rather than misses, and you know. Good saves. Eric, Eric the, the intriguing thing with Big Xander now is, what is Xander, 27, 28 now? 28, I think. 28. Yeah. You know, in goalkeeping terms, he's only starting. He's got 10 years ahead of him. You know, he's at a very good age. Um, he, he's he's learned he's learned a lot through the game. He's learning still all the time, but he's now developing a really top class, mature keeper for a big guy. He gets down well. What was the great save he had last week? The the, the low one with the uh, the palm away with the left. I think it was the left hand. Um, you know, his reactions are good. He commands the box well. Big, strong, powerful uh, individual, and and you know, kind of starting to arrive at the peak of his powers and the peak of a goalie's powers. Going for some years. I mean, you're potentially looking at a guy that could, you know, in, in the next few years, really establish himself mm-hmm. and, and potentially be a Scotland keeper. The thing that's the things that stands out for me before we move on is that Tommy Wright, when he had now Alan Manis, as he said, as he has proven, and I've done an I did an interview with Alan Manis in the during during lockdown, and we all know where Alan Manis stands in in, in St Johnson legendary status, mm-hmm. and you're one of the one of the best goalkeepers they've had. And certainly in modern to well ever, let's face it. And Alan still says he thought he was close to or near his peak when Tommy Wright decided, you know, the the two number ones era was over and he was he was going with Xander. So, you know, and Tommy obviously knows his goalkeeper. So if if, if Tommy was picking Xander Clark over a over a an Alan Manis who is still playing now and was still in good form back then. That tells you everything, doesn't it, Jim? Well, I mean, Tommy was a goalie and a very good one. And, and you know, who better than a goalie to... I mean, I, 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 I always think this. It's one of the, it's got to be one of the weaknesses with managers. They, you know, the vast bulk of managers have never played in goal. It is a unique position. It really is a unique position. And there are so many demands made of a goalkeeper that the average, you know, football player of any position will never actually understand or, or empathise with. So who better? And if, if Tommy, because I was a Manus fan as well, I thought he was a terrific keeper. Um, and eventually when, you know, when Tommy came down... Played for his country, right? you know. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 you know, and Tommy was a good judge. Um, and, and we're now seeing it. You know, he's he is... He is you know, transforming himself into, and he went away and loaned all the rest of it years ago and all the rest of it. He's turning yeah, himself into a very, very good keeper uh, indeed. So I think Tommy's judgment um, absolutely stands the test of time. Ian, does the St. Martin on, on Saturday, does the extra day that Saints have after bit, after their Betfred Cup tie compared to St. Martin? Could that be a factor? Well, it could be, but of course, it's a, a, any time you're playing extra time, and also there's a stress involved as well, isn't there? An anxiety involved when you're kind of it's tight like that and you're going to penalties. I mean, you do get some players just stroll up as if they're you know, no care in the world, but I think it, it'll probably take a lot mentally out of them. But uh, the one, so it, uh, they'll, they'll be absolutely bouncing in training for the rest of the week. And um, it's uh, I think it'll be fine. Uh, it could make a difference. 
I, I hope it does because uh, I want St. Johnston to win, um, obviously. But um, I hope it makes a difference. And uh, you don't know how what kind of how how it affects St. Martin. You know, we, we don't know how 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 it'll be for them. They uh, are picking up the odd good result. Uh, well, Martin, I think so. nine nine game unbeaten run we're talking about before they yeah. play Rangers. Yeah, in, uh, in the Betfred. well, that's right. So. But, they seem to be trying to pull themselves away from the the bottom area. They're not the worst team in the league, are they? Let's no, face. no, they're not. And uh, I, I, I think they've got they've got some decent players. So it'll be a, it'll be a tough one. It's um, it's just a shame. I, I, I felt I felt really disappointed somehow about the, about the Livingston uh, defeat for Saints. It kind of was it kind of didn't fit with how how things were going. Mm. No, it didn't. seemed out of place. But I mean, I, you were at the game, Eric. So. But it's just it's just a disappointment. Well, again, Livingston are no mugs, um, as as I know because I've seen, I've seen them beat uh, Dundee United recently. So it's it's a tricky game. But again, I mean, Saints, Saints are going to places and winning. So uh, and and they'll also be absolutely the mood will be sky high after after getting through to the semi-finals. Well, United, shame on the pair of you for your cricket score pessimism last <laughs> last week. Honestly, there you are, United. You have little faith. Exactly. Who was it? How many were you? Me of little faith. Seven, eight. Was it? You know. But listen, if if I'm no no manager's ever going to say it, and then of course he would, Mickey Mellon would 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 think that his team could get something out of it. But it was the uh, the least bad scenario, I think, is maybe a way of phrasing it, Jim, to, to narrowly lose to Rangers and and maybe even think that you're slightly hard done by when you you talk about sending off, which we will, which we'll. We'll no doubt touch on, but you know it was far from a disastrous afternoon for for Dun United the last weekend. No, I mean they had, um, you know, I mean I I, I had a, it's a good goal. A, yeah, I had a wee Twitter discussion with a couple of people who were a bit peeved at my column on Saturday, where I suggested you'd have to be mad to put money on United. I think there were sixty or seventy to one. No one guy that, that, that was having a wee tilt on them um, at, at those odds. You just knew that, that you know Rangers are a are a better side. They're a better side than anyone in Scotland, and by some distance. At the moment, so United were always going to be up against it. Now there were several things from the game. One, Morelos clearly should have been red carded and gone off, uh, so they'd have been down to ten men. That would have made a, a, a difference to uh, the game. And to emerge with, uh, you know, only a two-one defeat against the side who had been unbeaten was unbeaten in twenty-six by that stage or twenty-five, twenty-six. Oh, I've stopped counting, Jim. Uh, yeah, no, that's right, Eric. Had uh, you had scored going into that game, I think it scored forty-five just in the league alone. Had only conceded. Um, for uh, well, no, they only conceded three going into that game. Uh, so you know, United emerged with a fair amount of credit to you know to, to only lose two one at home um, against them. I mean, Rangers, Rangers traditionally have always been tough opposition. Even when United had the great sides, you know, the the the, the um, you know the situation when the when the club from Ibrox came calling, they've always they've always had referees on their side. You know, not necessarily. I mean, people going with bias. Oh. There's an unconscious bias. You know. The, the bulk of the refs come from the West, you know, they, they've got to work beside people, they've got to get orders. Rangers have always, you know, and, and to some extent Celtic as well. I always say this to people, look, when you're up against the old firm, and let's be honest, it is the old firm. We've seen that with the Celtic boys, they're quite happy to call it the old firm. Uh, when they're up against the old firm, Rangers get first dibs, Celtic get the next dibs, and every other team gets nothing. That's 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 the way Scottish football's gone. Look at the history of the game. What the two of them have won um, b- between them. They've cleaned up, you know, um, over the piece. And you can't do that unless there's an unconscious. The great phrase in the modern world is unconscious bias. I would argue that referees have an unconscious bias uh, towards the big clubs. Um, so in that respect, United did uh, did pretty well to come out with only a 2-1 defeat because it could have been a doing. Um, the Rangers went close on a few occasions, but Morelos should have been sent off. And now, no doubt we'll talk about the situation in a minute or two with that, but you should have oh, been go, Well, and go that, on then. I mean, how can a referee be, be allowed to continue at any level after staring down the barrel, seeing that for what it is and saying that is not a red card? I mean, how 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 does how does a referee come to that conclusion? I mean, you know, I, I, I'm a great, as, as a former law lecturer, I'm I'm very keen on words being important, Eric. And, and when I heard <laughs> Gerard after the game saying I didn't see an elbow, I, I immediately thought what what one pundit went on to see on TV and trying to remember which pundit it was. We who agreed it was Gary Caldwell who said yes, I didn't see an elbow. I saw and what I saw. It was a forearm smash. 
You know, he clearly, you see quite clearly as he goes uh, into the challenge, he's not looking at the ball. And the ball's well away. He's not looking at the ball. He's looking at the man. He goes up and and as he makes a leap, then the arm comes flashing out. So, you know, bizarrely, just at a time when I'd actually been suggesting that, that Steven Gerrard was showing some some classes of Rangers manager and a bit of dignity and all the rest of it. He comes out after the game and he says, I didn't see an elbow. Now, look, let's try to be fair uh, and say, okay, you hadn't seen it. Now, you and I and, uh, and Ian know that first thing that managers do after games is they go back in and they've got their check, video yeah, teams who show the, them the everything bit. that's happened, the, the, the key moments and all the rest of it. And good PR people will say to them, look, you're going to get asked about this, so think hard on what you say. And we'll also touch maybe on what Mickey Mellon said. Um, but... Um, you know, he would have known that was coming. Uh, so you could argue that his choice of words was quite smart. I didn't see an elbow because it wasn't an elbow. It was a forearm smash, but it was disingenuous to to say the least. And I'm glad that, that uh, you know, if, if Rangers have shown a bit of class, they've shown a bit of class and saying to SFA, we're not going to fight this. But the bottom line is they I should have I think they've looked down- at their fixture list, Jim. I think they thought, oh, we'll take yeah, that. Yeah, well, exactly. They should have been down to 10 men. To be honest, Morales has actually become a liability for them, I think. Um, they, they should have been down to 10 men and who knows how that would have affected um, the game. I mean, as it, as it was, I mean, Rangers spent 75% of the game in possession. So the, the vast vast amount of possession, we're not knocking that. They're a better side, they're a quicker side. That's the reason they have guys on 15, 20 grand a week. You know, that's no, that's no, um, uh, not knocking the Dundee United uh, team on the day who played really, really well, got wired in, stuck in, but they didn't have much of the ball and all the rest of it. And that's because they're up against a very good side. But Morelos should have gone and that might well have changed the dynamics of that game. Yeah, it's hard to argue with that, isn't it, Ian? Yeah, I mean, uh, Jim, speaking about referees of old, uh, I've had some Ian Foot flashbacks, Jim. Thanks very much for them. <laughs> Gee, was. Uh, also, also had a flashback on Sunday because uh, as, a, as a kid, I used to go to the Caird Hall with my dad to watch the wrestling. And oh, uh, who didn't? Like who a, didn't, Roger? It was, like, <laughs> was, like was, like, was like Big Daddy and Giant Haystacks would have been proud of Proud of that forearm smash for, from Morales, <laughs> wouldn't it? Really would have been. Do you know what the first thought that came into my mind after the game was? And okay, you you can you can touch on what sort of Mickey Mellon's take on it was, but I just thought, you imagine if it's still been Craig Levine manager at United. Oh, would have, that would have been entertaining, wouldn't it? Listen, just just as Roacher touches on the Caird Hall, because I too was a wrestling aficionado. Um, I, I I went one night with my my girlfriend, now my wife, uh, and uh, you know, and the Caird Hall, you, you get three thousand the wrestling. It was really really popular, and uh, the two you mentioned, Giant Haystock. Giant Haystacks and uh, was it Shirley Crabtree? Shirley Crabtree. The two were up there, and they, you know they used to go hand to hand, set the, set the feet apart, go hand to hand, and they'd push. And but with the two of them being mountainous men, that you know the two, you could see the flesh kind of quivering <laughs> there. And, and a lad at the back of me, who I presume was from Forfar or that area, leapt his feet and he shouted, "Oh, you two are you're just like a couple of chivers jellies." <laughs> and they were, you could see mountains of flesh kind of trembling along there. You know that that always sticks uh, in my mind. But I know a forearm smash. Mick McManus would have been proud of that forearm oh, smash I, I, from Morelos. Anyway, <laughs> back back to Craig Levine. What would Craig Levine's take on it have been, Ian? Ian? Oh yeah, I would have loved that. Um, uh, he, he, I, th- I think he would have. See, see, I, th- I, th- I think Craig probably was told after games, look, you know, take your time, go and have a cup of tea, then go and address him. And he went, aye, that'll be right. And just went out anyway, and just and just let go because he didn't care, which is great. Um, Mickey Mellon, yeah, he did. He did kind of. That's his decision, isn't it? To stay out of it. Um, just a slight pointed comment in there, you know. We, 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 I wouldn't, I wouldn't want a manager to be speaking about my player. So after I think there was a Ibrox incident when. Uh, Ryan Edwards was accused of uh, fouling the same uh, Morelos in the, the previous game of our mind, right? I think the Rangers did speak about uh, a United player at that point. So, Mickey Mellon, well done, Tommy. He, he, he kind of withdrew from that one. But uh, 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 Stephen Gerrard never. And um, he was asked, um, it was only because it was this particular journalist turn, asked a question. I won't reveal who it, well, who it was. A uh, perfectly reasonable question about Morelos, and then off they went. You know, off, off the, off the, off he went. Um, again, the, 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 the point. Jim quite rightly says uh, there wasn't an elbow. Aye, but what else was there then? Another, another stabbed him, uh, Your Honour, with a knife. Uh, okay, well, what did you stab them uh, with then? You know. So um, you're, you're, you're 
you're kind of that was that's how it went. I mean, we, I saw it in, in real time, obviously. I think I think one thing that helped Morales was United players never quite went crazy, and and I think the reason Connolly never reacted too much was uh, it was explained by Liam Smith was that Connolly never saw it right to the last minute. He didn't actually really know what had happened. Mm-hmm. He had, he didn't yeah. see Morales coming towards him. Um, so so it took him by surprise, and before he knew it, he was down on the ground on his knees after being hit. So that uh, that was that was the reason I think it helped it helped Morales. But you're, you're right, Eric. Going back to your point, the referee. I mean, if you, if you're not seeing things like that, what's the point? You know? Yeah. Uh, really? Do you know what though, Jim? Do you know? I'm going. I'm just going back on the. I listened to. I think it was I, th- I think it was on the BBC when I mean Craig Levine's been on the BBC a lot in the last couple of months since he's since he's been out of work. But I listened to one of his interviews, and he did say that he he made a cal- it was a calculated decision, and he was talking about the, the famous one at Ibrox, and the, there were other examples. I don't know if he was at Ibrox that day when he had his when he had his his, his infamous or famous rant about referees, yeah. but. He said it was a calculated decision that he knew there was a fine coming. He knew there would be trouble, but he felt in his position, he had to come out and defend, you know, because he thought fans would expect, they want their manager to stick up for their club. And, you know, he would take whatever was coming because mm-hmm. in that moment, he felt it was important. And I think, and Tommy Wright was was similar. You know, I, I think I wrote in the piece when when he, one of the many pieces I wrote after after. He'd, he'd left St. Johnston was one of the things that Saints fans loved about him was that he defended that club. It didn't it didn't matter who it was. It could be against Rangers, it could be against Celtic, it could be against referees, it could be against whoever. But he thought, no, this is a time when something has to be said. You know, do you, you know, so I would rather Mickey Mellon had picked a fight there, you know, but that's just a that's just a personal thing, Jim. Well, no, no. Listen, I, I'm in I, I'm in agreement with you, not in the respect of picking a fight. He didn't need to pick a fight. What what what, um, what happened was quite clear. There, there, there was a, there was a savage, uh, you know, a fairly savage forearm which which clocked. Um, uh, you know uh, Connolly, and, and fair play to Connolly. He, he handled it well. He, he was he was right on with his game because he's a big hardy competitor. But I, the, the the worry for me is that I think that you know let's give Mickey the benefit of the doubt in the respect that you know he's trying to be dignified and maintain the club's dignity and all the rest. That's great. There's a time and a place for that. But in a situation now, it may well be that you hadn't seen it, but I, I presume you had seen it by the time he was asked. Uh, otherwise, he, he might have said, "Well, I'll have a look at that again because I, I've not seen it so far, but I'll have a look again." And very often, managers haven't seen things, but usually they have, you know. Um, so I think you're duty bound to fight your corner on these sort of things, and you're duty bound particularly against the big clubs, um, and you're also duty bound because you've got to avoid being seen as a soft touch by referees. That, that, that they think, you know what, if you have a bad decision against this mob, they don't fight you. Jim McLean and Alec Ferguson never did that. They wired in, they defended their team. You're right, Tommy Wright did it as well. I think you're duty-bound to take your club side. It's great to be dignified. It's great to be fair-minded uh, and all the rest of it. It's great to give plaudits to the opposition in certain cases. But by and large, your first duty, your first job is to your club, to your players and to the fans. And I think in that respect, particularly when your your your, your player has been thumped uh, in the way he did, um, and we now know that, you know, Morelos... Um, you know, would it, should have got the red card. We know that quite clearly. Um, uh, so th- there's a duty to defend your players and your team and your fans, particularly in a situation which may well have cost uh, your club all three points. We don't know. I mean, we're gazing into a crystal ball in terms of what might happen. The Rangers, Rangers were probably still good enough to win the game with 10 men. They are, they're, they're a fine side. There's no one denying that. Uh, I, I think um, Mickey uh, might reflect on, on, on his reticence to come forward in that respect because I think a manager is duty-bound to fight his club's corner. Yeah, interesting, interesting stuff. It's Hibs, Hibs away on Saturday, Ian. Um, it's one of the toughest, it's one of the toughest away games in the league now, isn't it? Just, yeah, I mean, I, I just... just uh, they're a good side. Yeah, so Hibs away, absolutely, absolutely uh, tricky, difficult, etc. But Hibs just got over the line against Alwa and... United set up quite well against Rangers. I, I, I thought they had a very good first half. Uh, I thought the first half was fine. What, what you do, what, what, what you were faced with 
um, against a an eleven men Rangers. It should have been a ten man Rangers. Was sheer quality of somebody like Tavernier. I mean, just watching him, he, he was absolutely fantastic. The goal was incredible. So you have you have that that kind of just pushes you above above the opposition. Um, do Hibs have that? They probably do. They've got great players. Um, lot of lot of uh, attacking talent. Yeah, but, strong up front. But you can't just write off these fixtures. That's the thing. You've got. To, you can't just say, "Oh well, go there, maybe get a, a, another narrow defeat. That's okay." I think they've got to go and try and and, and win it. It was funny because United kind of United's performance against the Rangers was a bit opposite from what you would expect because they were quite attacking in the first half. They quite open mm-hmm. and had a goal. Good goal, Ian, wasn't it? Very good goal. Yeah, they retreated into their shell a wee bit in the second half uh, when they were behind. So uh, that never quite made sense to me. Uh, but Rangers were good. Rangers had a lot of the ball. That they really did. So they were, they were attacking pretty much the whole of the second half. So You know what? I, I, I think, Ian, that the United goal is um, is an example of what can happen when you are bold, isn't it? And and, yeah. and also an example of sometimes, you know, I always think this this great myth that, I mean, I had a great long blather on Saturday morning with, with a, 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 a great Dundee United legend who was part of the great sides that, you know, that won the league and, um, you know, storm through Europe and all the rest of it. You know, a very humble kind of guy. I'm not going to mention him because he'd be embarrassed. But we had a long chat about something, a good half hour on the phone with each other. And, you know, I just think sometimes, you know, there is a myth that surrounds the great United sides that it was always magnificent play, banning on the, on the wing. And it was. But very often they were direct. You know, diagonal out the wing, cross ball at the far post, in comes Smith, bang, in the net. Three touches. You know, sometimes football is much more simple than we want to make it. And, it, you know, how often do you see teams playing eight, nine, ten passes, the ball goes back, then it gets shelled forward. And you think, what was all that about? You know, so I, th- I think that there's something to be learned from the likes of that goal, the simplicity of the United goal and, and the, the, you know, the, the smartness with which they executed the move, I think, um, against Rangers. Who knows, had Morelos gone off, they might have got more chance to do that sort of stuff. But they'd be, they'd, to be congratulated on two things, one, uh, the goal, and two, you know, bluntly keeping them down to two one because Rangers have been blowing everybody else off the park this season. We had a chat with a Celtic mate of mine the other night um, who still thinks they can do it. I mean, pie in the sky. They're not a danger of Celtic stopping Rangers now in that league. I thought at the start of the season they would win it again. Man for man, they looked a better side. But the, the progress that Rangers have made and the side they can put in the park um, are very, very strong indeed. So in that respect, United deserve a fair amount of kudos for um, for you know coming out with only a 2-1 defeat. But it's, it's galling nevertheless, given the events of what happened at the weekend. Yeah, do you know what, Jim? I left, I left the game, I mean, uh, with the impression that well, you're going to say you left the game early. You're not allowed to do that. <laughs> Rangers, Rangers, Rangers are, Rangers are were very good. They weren't quite at a hundred percent as well. You know, they were never in top gear, but they looked classy. They looked, they looked imaginative going forward, and they've got players who just push them above uh, at the moment. They really yeah, do. Uh, uh, Ian, it's, you know what? It's a good point. I mean, I uh, I mean, I, I don't think anyone will ever accuse me of being a, you know, um, having huge sympathies towards the Ibrox side. My, my life has had some grief uh, with them over, over the past number of years. However, putting the objective hat on, when I watch them, um, you know, uh, uh, on television, they are, and particularly in Europe, they play with a slickness, a touch, a movement, which is miles ahead. It's miles ahead of anybody else in Scottish football, um, other than Celtic on the day when Celtic really can hit top for them. But they've got some really, really classy players. There's no getting I mean, to me. Tavernier's goal was magnificent. You know, I mean, you, you can look, say, could the keeper have been better positioned? To get that ball up and down at that pace and with that accuracy from 35 yards was a thing of beauty. It was a, it was a terrific goal. There's no getting away from that. And uh, although they weren't, on, on, on top for them, indeed anything like top for them. They move the ball, their touch, their movement, their accuracy, their passing is, is of is a, it's of a different magnitude from anyone else in the game here at the moment. Anyway, and I've got I've got an important task for you before before next week's podcast. You obviously you wouldn't have seen it because we were like myself myself and Jim were watching it on uh, on on Sky. The big the big question is. Where's Derek McInnes getting this Mick Mellon business from? It was that was quite. Uh, this was coming from really? left field. I mean, the you know, ask no, that, ask Mickey Mellon that. and his Zoom where this Mick Mellon comes from. Are you going back to the uh, 
We're going back to the wrestling stuff there, eh? Mick, Mick. It, wasn't, it wasn't a Mick McMillan, was it? Mick McMillan. No, it wasn't Mick McMillan. Mickey McMillan. <laughs> Ask him if he likes that, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe we've been getting him wrong all these months. Maybe, maybe, maybe they all know something Mick that we McMillan don't. Mick McMillan was a wrestler. You know, Maybe I remember covering a Don's game uh, abroad one of their European nights and um, a, a journalist had filed his online copy and you know probably you know you know what these uh, abroad games are like you go into press oh up, I know where you're going you're, with you're this one your stu- you're writing your stu- you guys are writing this an Aberdeen story is it you know so he writes up the piece boom it's online and we're, we're all sitting in the bus and he says to me look at that Spencey and he shows me a text and it's Del Boy having a go at him for his online piece which has literally been up about two minutes you know um, De- I mean, Derek, met, Derek met him on the plane didn't he Derek pays attention to detail on everything you know <laughs> I heard that and he was he was he was he was balling uh, the said reporter out before he even got on the plane. Hadn't <laughs> <laughs> left the country. <laughs> uh, well, that's yes, what I'm saying, and that's what I'm saying about him fighting. He, he fights his corner, Dell. You know. <laughs> oh, he's another one. Yes, he's another one. Uh, absolutely. Well, I've got a feeling you might you're going to wander along to dance on Saturday, Jim. Yes, that's the plan because uh, I think that will be a very decent one. Oh, it that might be. be. Well, just before one. we get in the football, it just it just kind of it carries on to the. From the theme we were talking about there with uh, with your Craig Levines and you know Mickey Mellon should he shouldn't he have and all the rest of it, what did you make of uh, James McPake? You know, I'm not obviously I don't think I'm I'm not speaking out of turn here. George Cran was covering the game from us, and you know there would have been other reporters at the game, but I'm presuming none of them would have asked would have asked James McPake. Uh, was was Jim Thompson shut out <laughs> shut out the uh, the ground for 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 too long after there? There, James. He he chose to to raise that. It mm-hmm. was a there's a man that's decided. You know, some, maybe maybe you could think. Maybe some would say it's distraction. Maybe other folk, are, you know, just say that this is a, this is me being sticking up for my club. What did you mm-hmm. make of it? Uh, well, <clears throat> I there are two different versions of events. Scott Gardner thing. There's clearly, I think there's a there's an undercurrent there, isn't there? Well, there's the two there's clubs. two different versions of events, and of course, there's also the you know this the situation where kind of the fact that Scott Gardner was the CEO at Dens and, and is now up there, and I, I think there, there's an undercurrent as a way you put it. I I, I would suggest there's probably bad blood, um, yeah. you know, uh, be, be, between um, not between the clubs. It's not to do with with uh, with Inverness, but there's probably there's a bit of bad blood. There's a bit of personal thing, and football's full of that. We know that. I know. I mean, it, it, football ultimately is about personalities, and things happen in the game that, that you know that people find kind of quite hard to let go, or disguise, or forget, or any of the rest of it. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to um, to trying to find out just exactly what went on on Saturday. But the, the key thing is is that um, it, it wasn't a bad result, all things told. At uh, a pretty difficult venue because John Robertson. Yeah. I mean, you know, John, John John's a good manager, and he, and he puts out, um, you know, he puts out a decent side. And and the fact that I mean, I think it's a combination of things. I mean, you know, if you take the lead in thirty seven minutes, which Dundee did, and it was Fontaine again, you know, and I think he's going to be a good sign in it. Um, you know, then you lose two goals within the space of three minutes and there's still 15 to go, then you come back through McGee uh, with eight minutes to go. Then I, th- I think that shows a bit of character uh, about Dundee and that's what they need. You, I, I kind of get the sense that Dundee are maybe on the, on the right road now. You know, I mean, I wrote this weeks ago in the column. I mean, James McPake was getting, uh, you know, uh, D fans and mates of mine were, you know, he's got to go and all the rest of it. It's, it's a big decision getting rid of a manager, Eric. It always is. You know, it's, it's a very difficult decision because you're, you're, you know, just as, you know, I mean, results are, are everything, but sometimes, you know, directors and boards of directors and guys like John Nelms have to look beyond the results and see what else is being done, what's been done at youth level, what's been done here, there and everywhere. What's the plan? What's the long-term plan? Are we going Are we going with the long-term plan? Because it's not just week to week, you know. So for the moment, the ship seems to have been steadied at, at Dens. Um, you know, they look as though they're maybe starting to come together. My suspicion it'll be... Certainly too late to win the league. They're not going to win the league, but the, but all they have to do is be up there and, and about the playoff areas to be in with a chance of getting back into the Premiership. So for the moment, I think the ship is stabilised. And to be honest with you, a 2-2 result at Inverness is nothing to be sniffed at. Moving on to predictions and chatting about the, the, the actual game Dundee against against Dunfermline. I, 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 I fancy, I think Dundee are going to be favourites, strong favourites for this one just on... I mean that is 120 minutes. We're talking about St Johnston and St Murren, You know, both both play midweek games. 
Dundee not having a midweek game, Dunfermline playing, you know, and they were worked very hard by St Johnston. You know, the switch of plays, they were doing a lot of defending, a lot of covering. It was a real effort, and you could see, you know, there were tired legs in that in that half half hours extra time. St Johnston absolutely dominated it. So, I think that's a very very significant thing going into into Saturday's game. Would you agree? Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, I really do. And and the what, psychology, what sorry, Ian, of them being the losing team that we touched upon, you know, with St. Yeah. Johnson on the other side of the coin going into the game, having won the cup tie. You know? I, I was just going to say that. I was just going to contrast them with uh, St. Johnson. You know, St. Johnson going to play St. Martin, having having reached the semi-final. Dunfermline threw everything into it. And, and when you are you don't have the size of squad of a Rangers or, or, or Celtic, you use everything, you know. You use every resource. Um, you throw everything at it. Your players put, have to put everything into the match, and uh, sadly, they lost. Um, still, not. I mean, uh, you know, they've still still can go on and have a have a terrific season. Dunfermline, a right good team. Um, but you're right. I think. I think, and and also see if, as far as Dundee are concerned, this draw up in Inverness. It's, the shine really goes on that that point if they then follow up with yeah. a win against Dunfermline. And then you've suddenly got, what is it, two wins, two wins and a draw from the last three games. And I would suggest that as a turning of a corner. I mean, so, some are already saying, oh, Celtic have turned a corner. Well, you know, by a result or so. But um, Dundee, if Dundee can 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 win get uh, the, these two home games against Arbroath and Dunfermline and as well as a, a point up in Inverness, then that's a right that's a right good haul. A decent wee run, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah and uh, gives uh, them uh, gives uh, them momentum. Yeah, that, that that's that's right. Um you know, the, the the season is a long haul, you know. We know this is we've said it before, this is a truncated season. So, you know, there's a bit more sharpness and, and focus required um this season than, than even usual. But you know, I mean early into the season only seven played, but if Dundee beat Dunfermline Saturday 12 points and all of a sudden there are only two points adrift of them um, having uh, you know a, a further two meetings w- with them but the thing is psychologically that becomes a really important um, you know narrowing of the gap two, two points is nothing two points a win here a, a, a loss here for the other side so that becomes a hugely important one now I mean I I, I don't know I mean I, I think that you know I was at the game against their growth wasn't always pretty, but Dundee played some, I thought, some decent stuff. Um, th- th- there are just signs starting to emerge that James McPake is starting to kind of, you know, figure out just exactly what his best style is, his best uh, his, his best selection is and all the rest of it. And there's a bit more pace and mobility about the side um, at the moment by the looks of it as well. But it will be, uh, you know, it'll be a difficult afternoon because Dunfermline do have a bit of quality and a bit of pace uh, about them as well, so I think you know there's nothing to be taken for granted here. As always in football, you'll get exactly you know bluntly what you put into it. And you know Dunfermline have, as I say, a bit of quality. Um, you know, and people like Thomas. Yeah, he was. He was. He was and he Dowser, was, I would you know. say Thomas was their best player. I thought the other night. You know, I thought he was. He's. He was. <laughs> he was the best crosser of the ball in both mm-hmm. teams. Actually, to be. To be fair to him, and where where I thought I thought they lacked a bit up front. I would say, you know, they really struggled to get McManus into the game. And listen, it's stating the obvious. You know, you're not you can't replace Kevin Nisbet like for like, can you? But it's, That's right. it's one of those. If they still had him, well, they wouldn't have got the other players they got in because you know they needed the money. But I think, yeah, Dunfermline struggled to get. I wouldn't say I was. I was kind of hoping to be really blown away by Young Turner in the middle of the park, McEnroy. I don't. I wasn't. Um, like I say, I like Thomas. They were solid at centre half, but you know that was. You know, I, I didn't. I didn't think they they didn't string passes together that I thought maybe. Maybe they might. Maybe you know they were playing against St Johnston. You know, I, I think Eric. You know, I mean, you, you, you've got to watch overdo it, that you don't overdo. It. I mean, like it or lump it, this is the championship, and there is a difference between the championship and the Premiership. There's quite clearly, you know, a, a difference. Very often in a meeting between sides lower in the or even higher in the, in the championship, as Allo approved against Hibs the other night. Very often in a one-off game, you can look and think, you know, what, there's not much between these leagues over the course, over the course of a season, over the course of a string of games. Um, 
the quality outs and all the rest of it. So what you'll find at a Dunfermline or a Dundee and probably even a Hearts is you'll find, you know, two or three players on the side who look really, really good. But, you know, you're not going to get kind of top quality in every position, you know. So um, you, you basically get spells, I think, in matches, you know, where you see some good stuff and it can lull you sometimes into a false sense of security. I think the key thing at championship level is is, is hunger, desire and attitude. Um, because, you know, you're not watching Barcelona at, at this level, you know, watching at any level in, in, in Scottish football, let's be blunt, but, you know, it's about attitude, desire, hunger and the commitment that, that, that goes with it. Now, I think there have been signs at Dens that that's on the right track. Yeah, that, listen, I think what well, hearts, hearts are going to, I'm convinced now having, having seen Dunfermline, and I'm, I'm not criticising Dunfermline, but I'm convinced hearts are going to win this league by a, by a distance. And I suspect... There's up to probably as many as four teams who will be very, very close after them, you know. And yeah, it'll be it'll be grinding out those those the old cliche. It'll be grinding out those one nilers, won't it, Ian? On on Saturday, such as this, that is going to separate them and keeping. They're all listen. They'll all be streaky teams, you know. Dunfermline were a very streaky team last season. The the key to it will be making sure the bad streaks are only two games in a row rather than three and four, won't it? Yeah, well, I mean, I have I've mentioned before, but I think it's important because uh, James McPeak, that's the thing for him. He he wants he wants consistency. He wants to build a, a, a run of results, and he always thinks. I think he fears to get one or two, and then and they get knocked back again all the time. So so Dundee, if Dundee can can build and build and build, then I I think I think that I think that you're looking at you'll be looking at two uh, playoff teams um, going against each other on Saturday. I think that, that'll be it. I think Dundee will pull themselves up and uh, be one of the playoff teams. And I agree with you, sadly, uh, from our perspective, that Hearts, who I think I think uh, already nine points ahead of, ahead of Dundee, that's a big gap, isn't it, for a team with the resources they've got. So I think they're already looking at Dundee getting in the playoffs, but you never know. I mean, uh, and we, we all know Ian Hearts will spend in January if they need yeah, it. Yeah, they will. You know, yeah. if it's close, won't they? Push them over the line, yeah. Uh, that's, what they'll, that's what they'll do. At the end of the day, Ian, um, <coughs> Hearts have got the kind of resources that, you know, a Dunfermline and, or, or a Wraith and even a Dundee. Dundee will be the second best resource side in that league by some way. But <coughs> there'll be nowhere near the gap between them and a Dunfermline or a Wraith that there is between Hearts and Dundee. So, you know, I mean, this is where they'll, he comes back. They'll be, be out spending some, some top six premiers. Oh, ab- absolutely. I mean, ab- absolutely. I mean, you know, uh, uh, let's be blunt here. Like if we were back... Um, with fans in the ground, Hearts would be playing at 16,000 every week. You know, whereas Wraith would be playing to fifteen hundred, maybe two thousand. Um, Dundee would be playing at four, four and a bit. So Hearts are massively resourced. You know, now that, that's not a criticism. I mean, I, I've got no end of admiration for what the Hearts fans have done. And unlike some others, uh, when they went, you know, when when they suffered their fall from grace financially, they took it on the chin. They didn't blame anyone. They got on with it. The foundation of Hearts was set up, and they have done magnificently to you know to, to restore the club to the, the, the situation um, that they are currently in so but but they are brilliantly resourced you know I mean they, they, they've got kind of and budge in there to throw some money into it meantime if they, if they need it you know they've got various um, folk about the club who are very shrewd business people they've got the foundation who are putting money in um by the bucket load every month, so you know things are going very, very well. They're hugely resourced, and and therefore you you would expect them to bluntly run away with the league, and I suspect they will. Good stuff. Well, cheers, guys. Jim, you can you can go and get to get to Jim, get to Jim Thompson on Saturday and find out what the real story <laughs> is. And, and story Ian, you was. can you can find out if it's Mick McMillan, Mick McMillan, McMillan, whatever it is. Uh, okay. Uh, thanks again, lads, and thanks again for listening. Thank you. Bye bye. If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it, or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people to find Talking Football, and that means a lot to us. Don't forget too to pick up your copy of The Courier Monday to Saturday, or go to thecourier.co.uk slash subscribe to find out how to get our award-winning sport, business and local journalism across Tayside and Fife in the way that's right for you. The Courier. Local matters.